Welcome to Culture at Work, the podcast that explores how to maintain a strong corporate culture in a rapidly changing world. I'm your host, Tim Carroll, inviting you to learn from industry leaders on how to build an exciting culture to bring people back to the office and inspire them like never before. On today's podcast, we have Corey Carlson. As an entrepreneur, former executive, husband, and father of three, Corey Carlson understands the pressures working parents face. He is passionate about helping business leaders win at home and work. When Corey discovered coaching, it helped him become a better leader, husband, and father. So he left his corporate career to help other leaders win at work and at home. Corey does this through executive coaching, speaking, and writing. Corey just released his second book, Rise and Go. This book is a resource to help leaders get back up quicker after getting knocked down from the challenges of leadership and life. Corey's first book, Win at Home First, an inspirational guide to work-life balance, was mentioned by Forbes as one of seven books everyone on your team should read. I absolutely love when I get a chance to talk to Corey. I am certain you will as well. Let's go. Hey, Corey, thank you so much for being with us today. This is uh, a really, really interesting topic and one that's uh, near and dear to to me as well. I mean, I, I got to say, you we had the honor of having you be a kickoff speaker for our um, first annual leadership retreat, and um, and it was great. And to have you talk about this topic about winning at home first is is uh, a very interesting. I want to get to all of that, but I kind of start every podcast with the same question. And I'm going to ask you the same thing, but how do you define culture? Yeah, I define culture as it is shared values that help drive that family or that team or that company in a direction. And that that those shared values could be positive or negative. I mean, the reality is all everyone's got a culture. It's just, do they know it or not? And unfortunately, there's many companies who or and families who don't know what kind of culture they have, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Right. And when you actually sit and look at the culture, as you know, as you know from the, even the work you do, and you start interviewing and talking with companies, it, it starts to get exposed. But but culture is just those shared values that over time have begun to develop, and hopefully there's more flowers in them instead of weeds. But 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 you you move forward with it, and the good news is, is you can course correct if you have a bad culture at home or at work. I love that the first word you used was culture with your family. And I'd love to unpack that a little bit because I think the work that you do really is, I mean, I think it's fair to say tied towards, you know, winning at home first, which is the the title of your, uh, of your book. But um, tell us how you could create a culture at home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, first and foremost, everyone listening has a culture at home. <laughs> That's right. Whatever that may be. <laughs> and that, that culture may be one of independence and solitude where everyone comes home from school and work and they go different directions and they grab their phones and their iPads and they're all hanging out individually. Um, it could be one that is more uh, of a team, uh, of a collective of, hey, we eat dinner together at the family and, and we're sharing our highs and lows from the day. We all go to the soccer game together. 
you know, we're, we're, we're traveling together, we're talking together. So right there could be one of individuality or is it one of team and being together in it? So I think that that's a piece. You know, is your family one that's that's rigid in emotion or is there vulnerability? And and I think for it starts with us. I mean, it starts with us as the the mom or dad. Do we lead that? And so I'll just speak for myself. My family is I share the wins and the losses because here's the deal is my kids know if I had a bad day or not, whether I tell them or not. You know, I, I lost a prospect. Or the speaking engagement was canceled. Or, you know, I had a bad call with the client or they're not implementing what we're talking about or, or whatever the thing is. If I'm frustrated and I go to the dinner table and I'm engaging and I'm just short with them, but I'm not telling them the why. Well, that just creates distance with my kids and with my spouse. But if I come to the table and I share, man, today was a rough day. But what, what that does is I share it's a rough day. I give vulnerability, but then I share the wins the next day. And then they start to build resilience to say, hey, we're Carlson's. We get knocked down, but we get back up. That's right. They get to feel that, hey, that's okay. We're all going to have bad days. I mean, you, you can't not not have a bad day <laughs> right. at times. And so that helps. And, and so it's one of those deals where a lot of it starts with us. Whatever you want your culture to be in your house, it starts with you. So if you want a, a family culture of generosity, well, you need to be being generous and talking about how you gave extra tip to the waitress, talking about how you're giving a percentage of your income to a church or to a nonprofit or how, you know, whatever that may be. If you want it to be one of kindness, well, don't let your kids see you give the middle finger on the road or honking aggressively. So I, I think for, for any of the, individuals listening on to this podcast whatever you you want your family to be make sure you're doing it more is caught than taught in our families and we need to make sure we're doing that more is caught than taught i love it um so what i'm hearing from you and what what we really do really at working spaces we talk all the time about intentionality and we want to be intentional in everything we do. And we define our core values and we define our, our mission. How do we translate those same? And then we're not unique in that. I mean, there's a lot of companies that do that, but how do we translate that kind of intentionality to our home life? Yeah. And one of my favorite words is intentionality as well, Tim, is, is, you know, you know, from our previous conversations, I just love the word intentional. And I think that, I mean, that's exactly it is that intentionality that we have at work to put together a compelling vision statement and clear values that the intentionality that we have to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with our employees, the intentionality we have to have a, a leadership retreat or quarterly meetings, that same intentionality, we need to be applying to our home. So uh, have you created a vision and values for your family? Do you have one-on-one -on -one meetings with your kids and with your spouse? And how does that look like? Well, it's a date. <laughs> have you been on a date with your spouse? Have you been on dates with your kids? Like for me, that's me and my son going and playing catch and I'm having intentional conversations while we're throwing the football. Me going having coffee or ice cream with my daughters. And then for me and my wife, we need to do two dates a month. And so it's it's being intentional with one-on-one -on -one meetings, being intentional with 
quarterly meetings. So it's vacations. I, I want to do one overnight trip with each of my kids a year. So I get that intentional time. So it can be done for sure. We just got to be intentional with it. And Tim, one thing I'll share a lot with clients, because I got to remind myself, is our day does not end when we walk through the front door. Right. Our day ends when our head hits the pillow. So for that leader, when you get in, you walk through that front door, don't stop. Just keep going. Do the dishes, serve, ask the questions, be empathetic, be active listening. Like all the things we do from eight to five, we got to continue doing that until our head hits the pillow. You know, I saw something online recently and it was this guy who, who they had, he put a video out and of course it was clickbait. They wanted you to to click on it. And he was talking about how he doesn't help his, his wife at home. <laughs> well, you click on it. And what he's saying is I don't consider it help because it's part of my job too. Love it. And I, I thought that was a really great way to, to look at it. Right. When you come home you're not helping. You're you're doing your job. Your job has not finished until, as you said, your head hits the pillow, right? Oh, that's good. I love that. I may, uh, you may see me make a commercial like that or something, <laughs> but I do. There is a a quote that I found writing the when I was writing went home first that when you ask Pete, uh, older couples who've been married a long time, hey, is marriage 50-50? And it's like, no, it's a hundred hundred. Yeah. I mean, it's all in. And I tell you, I mean, when I, the, the days I want to go serve Holly and like be like, super loving and, and helping her. I, I can't keep up with her returning it, the favors. Like, it's crazy. It's so cool. Like, you know, I go do something before I know she did like two things. It's like, I, I can't keep up with the goodness, <laughs> you know, but we, it works the opposite. I mean, when oh, do we start absolutely. going the opposite direction and we do the cold shoulder or I'm not going to send a text today because I'm mad, like whatever the <laughs> immaturity that we all have, I have it too. At different times, boy, then they go the other direction. And before you know it, we're roommates. We did, uh, Sarah and I did, my wife um, did a marriage retreat. And we try to do those, you know, as often as we can. But we did yeah. one six months in to our marriage, right? And let me tell you, a lot of our friends were like, what's wrong? Is it already trouble yes. already? Like, no, we're just wanting to get this before there's ever any trouble. And at that retreat, there was something very interesting said, and that is we do more maintenance on our car than we do on our relationships. Oh, yeah. Good. And that has stuck with us for years. Um, and and I say that to say, I believe, and I think you do too, based off the conversations we've had, that that work you do at home can directly affect your effectiveness and your happiness at work as well, right? Can you speak to how this idea of winning at home can translate to winning it at work? Yeah, absolutely. When you win at home, it allows you to be fully present at work because you know home is in order and everyone's doing well. Amen. And, and 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 an example how this plays out that unfortunately all of us can relate to, myself included, is if you get in a, a fight at 7 a.m., a little bickering with your spouse or even with a teenage kid, but let's just talk about spouse. If you do that at 7 a.m., you could go to your 9 a.m. meeting and you're trying to bring your A game, but all of a sudden you kind of you get a text that's kind of continuing the, the fight from the morning. 
and it throws you off your game. So you're in a work meeting and you're thinking about home, even though no one knows you're thinking about it, you're thinking, you're thinking about it. That goes on throughout the whole day. Then come three o'clock, you start thinking about home again. Well, when I walk into the house, I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say this. Well, then I'm going to say that. And so at three o'clock, when we should be bringing our A game to a meeting, instead, we're preparing for our re-entry back in the home. So if we went at home first and we, we're, we're dating our spouse or being intentional with our kids, it allows us to be our best and full self at work. Don't you feel like there's ripple effects even beyond that? I mean, you come to work upset because whatever's happening, chaos is ensuing at home. And then you go and, and sit down at that first meeting and your head's still reeling and you may you may answer very short to somebody. Well, then it kind of triggers them. Now they're kind of in a ticked off mood and then they go to their next one. And it's like those ripple effects in the water, right? Oh, 100% ripple effect. And I think you also, Tim, you bring up something else that's important in all this. I mean, you're big into culture. If someone's showing up in a meeting and they're not being their best self, it may have nothing to do with you. It may have something to do with their fight at home that they just got into right. or their teenagers not, re, you know, being good at school or whatever the deal is. And, and I think a lot of us need to get rid of our ego thinking it's all about us. Like, hmm. you know, Susie or Bill are not happy in the meeting and it's because of me. They're being disrespectful to me. You know, it may have nothing to do with you. It may have something to do that they, they, they got a challenging time in their marriage right now or they've got some health concerns of a kid. And it has nothing to do with you. So chances are it doesn't have anything to do with you. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And so it's like have some empathy for your coworkers. Just because they are in a funk, it may have nothing to do with you. Now, we can't go long times with people being disrespectful in the office and missing deadlines. That's another conversation. But I think as we're talking about this and the work home is it's a little bit of extend some grace to others. Everybody has a story, right? I mean, oh, that's, man. that's the thing. I try to remind myself all the time. Everybody has a story. And, um, you know, you have no idea sometimes the burden that someone's carrying, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. You know, we, uh, we do something at working spaces where we, um, uh, especially in the leadership, we speaking of intentionality, we kind of have bought into this idea that the home, your home life and being intentional there can affect your, your work life and vice versa. And, so we do uh, the five F's, faith, yeah. family, fitness, friends, finance. Mm -hmm. I, I believe you have something similar that you kind of use to, to, as, a, as a goal post. Um, can you speak to that, what you kind of use as your, your, the goal setting for, for winning at home? Yes, and it's the five capitals is, is the name of the framework. And I didn't create it. Uh, actually, my coach created it, but I, I love it. And I've been using it for 10 years and it's been significant in my life as well as with, with all the clients that I've had over the years. And, and the, the, they are the first one spiritual. And so the spiritual capital, it, it, it it's just your greater purpose, whether you're uh, it's faith or not for, any of the listeners, but it's just that spiritual. Are, are you praying or meditating or journaling or getting solitude someplace to slow down and discern 
all the noise and inputs that we're having. And that's where we get vision. Yes. You know, t today, that is the bigger desire for employees of a certain age, these the younger generation coming in, is purpose over money. Yes. So having that higher purpose, you know, spirituality or whatever, having that higher purpose um, really is driving them to a job as opposed to I'm, I can make more money at this job. Yep, absolutely. And we're seeing that too on, on our sides with our clients and the people we engage with. So that first one's spiritual. And I'll walk through this individual language, personalized language, and then give the corporate words. But it, it's all the same piece. I mean, so it's spiritual is, is purpose. The next one is the relational capital. Who are you doing life with? We've talked about spouses and kids, but it's your coworkers, it's your friends. Friends is a big gap with executives. You know, a lot of leaders don't have friends. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but there was a time in my life, I didn't have friends. I was president of sales and I was traveling all the time. And so I didn't have friends and I had to go get some. And there's a whole process there we could talk about. But so relational capital is number two. Who are you doing life with? Number three is physical. That's about, that currency is time and energy. How you manage your calendar, right? The quantity of our nose will drive the quality of our yeses. So what are we saying yes to? What are we saying no to? What time are we going to bed? What time are we waking up? Eating, drinking. It's all about physical capital because we can't do anything good if we're dead. Right. And we can't do anything good if we, I mean, we all know what it's like at two o'clock in the afternoon. We just had a huge Mexican lunch. We're tired. We're groggy. Same thing as if we're not doing well physical capital, we're going to be less than at home and work. Fourth capitals, intellectual. This is all about insights and ideas. What are you learning? Listening to podcasts like Working Spaces, books you're reading, TED Talks you're watching, whatever it is, it's all about insights and ideas. That's intellectual capital. And then the last one's financial capital. And the reason it's at the bottom is because money doesn't buy happiness. That's right. So that those are the those are the the personal five capitals for the individual. And if you get those in the right order, it's a life to the full. And I think all of us know when we lay our head down on the pillow and we got them in the right order, we can feel it. Like today was a good day. Yeah, I lived in my purpose. I got to spend time with the people I love. It was a good pace. I may even got to the gym and, and things went well. I learned a few things and hey, I may have stewarded my money well. Like we get it. Well, on the work side, it's purpose, People, pace, perception, profit. And Tim, it's exactly what you said is the reason profits at the bottom is because if it's all about money, you're going to go about money so much, you're going to work at a pace that's unsustainable, people are going to leave. But the companies that thrive and exactly what millennials are looking for, and, and I'd say really so many people are coming out of COVID, people want purpose. You know, that's why people are going and trying other things like freelancing or I want to go try be my own 1099. It's because they want purpose and, and but but companies can bring purpose. So they got a vision, right? Where there's no vision, the people will perish. So if companies have a vision, people want to work for a company and a leader that knows where they're going. You know, this idea about profit being on the bottom, I all the success, any success I've had in my life it's because I focused on the development of the individuals at the company above profits. And guess what? 
Love it. Profits follow. Yep. They do. If if everyone is better today than they were yesterday or striving to be better today than they were yesterday, the whole company, rising tide lifts all ships, right? The mm -hmm. whole company will, will rise up. Okay, we're going to break away for just a quick message and we'll be right back after this. At Working Spaces, we do much more than just sell furniture. We immerse ourselves in the culture of each and every client and then create spaces that inspire. Inspire creativity, inspire productivity, and inspire connectivity. So if you're looking to create an office space that inspires your employees to want to come back to the office, collaborate face-to-face, -face, and do their best work every day, contact Working Spaces. Working Spaces, the innovative leader in office furniture and design since 1999. Now in six markets nationwide. Welcome back to Culture at Work. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that piece, tying that profit to the intellectual, about personal development, personal development at home that can help that culture at home, but also help you develop culture at work. From a personal development standpoint? Personal development. Yeah, you know, for, for me... Uh, well, like the five capitals, personal development. I've shared the five capitals with my with my kids and my wife, yeah. and and we you know we we know it and we talk about it. It's it's part of our vocabulary, right? Culture is built off vocabulary. The words you say and the words you don't say in a home, and so one of those is we talk about the five capitals, and we'll use it in decision making. Like if there's big decisions that need to be made, we'll walk through that to have you know our kids see it and and. You know, and my wife and I talk about it. And so that's a piece of personal development of, hey, this is a this is a framework to use. The other is kind of talking about on the personal development is is making sure our kids and myself, we have a growth mindset. What are we le learning? What are we reading? What are we listening to? And, and having, you know, some conversation about it. I mean, it's not like crazy, like, hey, you know, read a book a week and anything like that in our house. But it, it's sharing, like for me as a, a, you know, the leader in the house is with my wife is I want to share with the kids things that I have found to be helpful in my life and turn it and share with my kids in a way that's inviting. You know, you and I see each other a lot on LinkedIn. There's individuals on LinkedIn that they will write something or they'll put put, put on a video that I want my kids to see. Yeah. And so I'll share it with my kids. Mm-hmm. And or a documentary that's been recommended that I think my kids will benefit from. We'll watch it together. But it, it's it's sharing that. And, and I think I I don't think I know because a lot of people are like oh, I don't share with my kids. I they, they they think it's boring. No, they wouldn't. They're on their phone because you're not engaging with them. If you engage with them, show them stuff that was cool as well as found interest in what they do. Man, now we're talking. There's a there's a guy and. I can't remember his name, but the 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 program he does, it's online, it's news programs, it's on CBS Sunday morning, but he has his own page and it's on the road. And uh, he has great, great, like good news stories, kind of inspirational stories, people that have overcome, people that are kind to each other, people that are, you know, going above and beyond. And they're great videos. And I've started sharing those with uh, with my kids you know, cool. once or twice a week. And and I think that that's a really great way to 
connect, have a little time. It's their quick hits, maybe 10 minute long videos, but uh, they really, oddly enough for a fifth and seventh grader, they really get into it, right? They really are kind of enjoying them. And I, I wasn't sure they would like them. Oh, that's cool. And I think for anybody listening, try something. And if your kids don't like it, move on, move on <laughs> go yeah. find something different, but you're going to find something that the kids like. You have uh, you very transparently mentioned about, you know, you had a time when you didn't have many friends and uh, you had to go out and find a set of friends. I, I, I know the story. I'd love for you to share the story of just how you very methodically went about trying to decide who was going to be in your friend group. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yeah, true story, true story. And actually I was president of sales of this national company. And every week I, I traveled just to, you know, various parts of the country to be my, the, the sales team. And I mean, I had some days I was home, but what would happen is every week I would travel, I was trying to be super employee. Like I was all in at work, being the best employee I could. And then I'd come home and try to be super husband, super dad. Well, this went on for a while and months. And I was talking to my coach and I just was basically telling him I was tired and drained. And he, and as he said, he said, you're pouring into everyone else and no one's pouring into you. Basically, Corey, you have no friends. And I was like, oh man, that's harsh. That hurts. <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> that's brutal. And it was also a watch out of, hey, lone wolves get taken out. Yeah. So, you know, you need some friends, you need some community to do life with, to have fun with, to pour into, to be poured into, and just have friends. And so I had friends I could go have a beer with, go have a coffee with. But when I would go have those meetings or hangouts, it was just, we talked sports and like weather. That was it. Yeah. And so I didn't have any friends of depth. So what I did, and this was probably uh, eight years ago, seven years ago, I put together a list of guys that I liked and I went and did like speed dating. They had no idea what I was doing. And I'm sure some people listen to this podcast, they'd be like, hey man, I think I was on that list and you never <laughs> called back. But what I did is I went and I went and had beers or coffees or lunches with, with all these individuals. And there, there probably was 15 to 20 people on the list. And if we only talk sports and weather and I could not go deeper, that was it. I, I, I didn't have time. I don't have time for that. I'll just adjust the frequency. Maybe I hang out with them once a year. But for those individuals that we did talk sports and weather, but we also went a layer or two deeper. We talked about purpose. We Maybe the challenges of marriage or, or parenting got brought up or you know what hopes and dreams like something would happen in those conversations and we've all had those kind of conversations i was like i want more of that i want more of this person in my life so i put together a group of guys and we we we've, we've lost one or two added one or two but we meet every thursday morning at at a guy's house and it is a, it's a small group so we go through some different content and the content can fluctuate from time and then we do an annual trip to florida every january but it's been amazing. And so I think for that listener who's listening, who's like, ooh, I don't have any friends either. Hey, that's okay. I, I didn't either. But with intentionality, you can go find some and it can totally change. And now, as I say it, I mean, to, we're recording this on a Wednesday, tomorrow morning, I'm with all those guys. It's it's awesome. It's life-giving. I look forward to it every time. And then obviously I for sure look forward to 
annual January trips to Florida. That's always fun. Yeah. And it's tough, right? It's tough to find friends at a, at a certain age, right? I mean, at some point your friend group gets smaller and smaller. And as you get older, you're like, I, I, I got enough friends. I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm not here to go and yep. have another person to go out and see sometimes. Right. So I think it's really difficult. And uh, I'm interested in in what it takes to get bumped from your group because you said you lost a few. So I think that would be an interesting conversation. As <laughs> yeah, well. well, yeah, I think some people self-select that. No, I don't know. We've never <laughs> kicked anybody out. We're, we're, we're not harsh. Uh, but self-selected, a guy moved. Yeah. So, yeah, we had some issues there, but uh, – or not issues. We had situations like that. Yeah. So I want to take a little bit of a turn now. You have another book called Rise mm-hmm. and Go. Mm-hmm. And um, – and, and, you know, getting up, I would love for you to talk a little bit about kind of what that book's about and and what made you uh, want to write that one. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so the second book is called Rise and Go. And, and really the, the thesis of the book is all leaders get knocked down. It's just the great leaders get back up quicker. So what could it look like in your life if the next time you got knocked down, you were able to get up quicker? And so for me, what happened is I uh, I was in corporate, ended up getting, uh, we were owned by a private equity group, ended up getting you know fired and in, started a coaching business. And I won't go into all the details, but we stair-stepped. And on March 1st, 2020, me and my family made the decision we're going all into coaching and speaking. It's going to be amazing. Let's go set the world on fire. Well, that was March 1st, 2020. We all know what happens in COVID. And and on March 13th, 2020, that's when the United States shut down and said, stay at home and mask mandates and travel ban. On that day, I got some emails canceling speaking engagements. And in that moment, I lost 35% of my revenue. And I know listeners were affected much worse uh, with COVID. So I, I totally understand and, and and sorry for that. But for us, in that moment, it was awful. 35%, what's going to happen to the other 65%? I bet I'm going to get more cancellations. What are my clients will probably all quit. I, I pretty much went in a tailspin. I just was scared. I was frustrated. I just went all into this. W- what's going to happen? I've got kids I want to send to college. What's going to happen there? And if the world's shutting down, am I going to get, be able to find a job? So what ended up happening, Tim, is as I'm down in this valley, in this low spot, over the course of a few months, I just I just started putting together some different content that was, well, I mean, I didn't put together. It kind of just kind of started falling in my lap. I was, uh, I'm a man of faith and, and I was reading scripture in Acts 8, 9, and 10, which are, is a book in the New Testament had a phrase called rise and go. And I was like, wow, that that's cool. Then that was jumping out like a rise and go. I had some guests on my podcast that had cool stories of resilience. And, and I started putting together some content that was helping me. And I kind of was organizing in a way like I am statements and, and, and other pieces of content. And it was helping me. I was getting back up and I, I was like, all right, I can do this and, and started to see a turn. Well, over the course of that next year, as clients were facing other setbacks, and not all of them were enormous knockdowns, but just a setback, an employee left, or their mindset was off, and they're listening to a bunch of head trash. 
Well, I would share this content with them. I was like, hey, I was been working on a blog. Take a look at this blog. It got battle tested and it helped them. So after it helped me and it helped, you know, these 65 clients throughout that year, I was like, there's something here. I want to put this in a book to go bless other leaders who get knocked down. And so it's 20 chapters. The first 10 is to give you the courage to get up. And then the next 10 chapters are the confidence to move forward. And, and so the content's been helpful to leaders that, that, that have been reading it. And then the back of the book, I did not invent the idea of a manifesto, but I started using a manifesto. And, and in the back of the book, I have the eight parts that I have in my manifesto that I give the framework for everyone to kind of put together their eight parts that they so choose, such as I am statements. I have this section called God has the night shift, meaning all the cool things I've had in my life that I actually had no control over. They just, you know, like neat relationships, you know, meeting you on LinkedIn. We've never even met in person, but you know, those neat relationships just kind of showed up out of nowhere. It's like, man. And so I, I, I started documenting cool things that have taken place in my life. And I look at the, the, that when I'm in a funk. So that's the book Rise and Go. And it is just, it's been fun to see what is done with leaders. So it seems to me that that ability to get back up is almost like a muscle, right? I mean, we've, there's been a lot of things in my career where there's been setbacks and, and it, it almost seems annually something comes up. That's just kind of trying to knock you to your knees and, uh, and, and you got to press forward. How do you, if we could put this in, in, you know, succinct terms here, but how do you build that muscle that helps you just keep getting back up and press forward in the face of those headwinds. Yeah, I think it's it's two parts. It's, it's a proactive part and it's a reactive part. The proactive part for me is I need to do the gym in the morning and 30 minutes of stillness every morning. And stillness for me is it's scripture, it's prayer, it's meditate, it's it's uh meditation, it's reading, it's journaling. Like it's all those pieces in those 30 minutes. And when I'm done and that timer's not gone off, I sit there and I either journal more or I just sit there and it's been awesome. That's the proactive piece. So every day I want to do that. I want to armor myself for the day, the headwinds that may come at work or at home. And so that's all the proactive pieces that I'm doing each and every day. Now, the reactive pieces are the things where you get discouraged midday. And it's listen to that song that gets you in the right spirit. It's text some friends to encourage them because as we encourage others, we ourselves get encouraged. It's um, I've got right here next to me. I've got this uh, a list of a bunch of I am statements, my be, do, have sheet that I'll read if I'm in a funk. So I think for all those listeners, it's, it's start just having some daily habits that that do good things for you. Well, you know, one thing I do, Tim, that uh, it's become such a habit, I almost kind of forget. That's why I've kind of forgot to say it. But, in, you know, a big part of well, a big part of my story is in September 2020, when I went to South Carolina for a work function, I took my daughter with me and she was 15 at the time, uh, maybe 16. Took her with me and on the first night, we broke up into pairs and we answer some different questions. What 
challenges in your life, celebrations, frustrations, breakthroughs, kind of a whole bunch of questions we answered and then we shared with our partner. And so Kylie went first and she shared her answers with me and it was, they were awesome. I'm an emotional dad, so I'm tearing up. And then it's my turn and I share my answers and I was like, so Kylie, well, what do you think? And she said, dad, you're the smartest guy I've ever met. No, just kidding. <laughs> she didn't say that at all. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't say it at all. She said, Dad, you sound angry. Mm. I was like, what? Like, what, what do you mean I sound angry? And so as we unpacked it, all my answers were like, I've written book number one, but I want to write books two, three, four, five. I've had some cool clients, but I want more, more, more. I've had some cool speaking engagements, but I want more, more, more. So my 16-year-old daughter could hear more of me focused on the unchecked boxes than the check boxes. That was more focused on the gap than the gain. And I knew I had to change something. So I came home from that trip, and it's almost three years since then. I mean, it's a little over three years since then, and I've missed a few nights. But every night for a little over three years, I write down three things I'm grateful for. What were the three wins of the day? And I, I didn't invent that either. There's other, there's gratitude journals that you can That's buy. Right. Yeah. However, I did that and it caused a change in my life. And, you know, for any listener, if, if you're lacking joy or you, everything looks negative or everything looks like in your world, it's shrinking, whatever we focus on expands. And so if you can focus on the good in your life, you will see more of it. And I've worked cl clients through this where I've had clients who've been frustrated, the teenage daughter, it's like, write down all the things that are great about her. And it'll shift in time. You start to see them in, in better light. And, and so that, those are things I do. I do proactive, but then I've got tools for those reactive situations. You know, it works for your kids too. We, we started that with our kids. I wish mm. we're not as consistent with it as I would, I would love for us to be, but but we started that and it really, you can see a difference almost immediately when they are starting to focus on what they have and the blessings that they have in their life. Because I think as kids, um, you know, we've all been there. Uh, it's really easy to think about the things you don't have. And I want more kind of that same idea. And it really is good for them as well as us for sure. Uh, but good for the kids as well, don't you think, to to kind of focus on that that gratitude piece? 100%. I mean, absolutely. I mean, for every human. But, I mean, our kids, they're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. They're seeing amazing vacations. They, I mean, they're seeing all the brand new Nikes. I mean, it's they easily can get pulled into this trying to keep up with everybody or they've got a better life or that vacation they did was better than our vacation. And, and it's helping them see the good in their life is, is hey that's a great way to have culture in your home the uh the one thing i want to make sure that we don't brush over cuz you you've said something very um that i i hope has a lot of impact for people and and just to underscore it a little bit the importance of being still hmm. that is a very important piece that you know, I, I believe for every leader, for everybody, either for their home life being still and just starting the day, I love that, 
Um, it really changes things when you are. But, you know, I, I coach people in our company all the time, take the time to just turn off the noise and be still and plan. And it's easy to think, well, I'm wasting time if I'm just kind of thinking. No, <laughs> you're not. But that idea, I think, uh, is so important, don't you, about just, it can change the the course of your life if you just take some time and be still. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and there's a variety of different quotes, whether they're faith-based or secular, they're work-related, they're spiritual-related. I mean, you know, Martin Luther has a quote of, I've got a very, bu very busy day, I may have to do three hours in prayer. You know, Robert Iger in The Ride of a Lifetime, who was the CEO of Disney, has a has a, a quote in the book, and I don't have it handy, but it is basically, I wake up every day at 4 a.m. That may not be the time for you, that he says something like that, to have time to myself before the triage of the busyness of the day ha takes place, because that is when I basically have some of my best thoughts. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's unbelievable. So people at all various levels of success have found value in the stillness. And I, I had a friend to kind of explain it this way of when we go to the gym and we work out our muscles, we know we need to rest them for 24 hours before we go engage the muscles again with intensity. But we never rest our brain unless we do stillness. And our brain is also a muscle. So we need to be listening to the books, read, you know, listening to the, uh, I, uh, the, the podcast, reading the books, doing all the listening. But at some point, we need to hit pause and just sit there for 30 minutes. As I, you know, I said it was my time. Maybe others are 20. Maybe someone else is an hour. And just to let all that just kind of discern and rest in our brain and let us pick out what we need to apply in our life, right? For such a time as this, what, what do we need to apply in our life? You know, and so we all have inputs from bosses, from spouses, from employees, from books, from podcasts. At some point, you just need to take that and sit in it and figure out, hey, what do I need to go after today? And I think, Tim, the one thing I would want to close on or make sure I say is we've said a lot today. And there's no shortage of information in this world. And for sure, there's a bazillion books and podcasts. However, a lot of us can lack implementation. So it's information plus implementation will lead to transformation. So I, I, for that listener, just grab one thing that was said. You know, we said a lot and try the three grateful things tonight. Uh, talk to your kids about their day, whatever it is, just try one. And if it works, try something else in a week or two. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's the big thing. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't do enough is they may go through, you know, in corporate world, there's a lot of trainings and there's a lot of this and they, all of this stuff, you may read a book, but then they drop it or they walk out of the room and that's where it stands. And it's taking something and implementing into your life that really transforms your life. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So Corey, thank you so much. I, I learned something new every time we talk. So I really do enjoy just from a personal perspective, getting a chance to yeah. talk to you again. Um, but I I just believe so wholeheartedly in this crossroad between our home life and our work life and the fact that they both 
can affect each other. And I feel you're doing, you know, God's work trying to help people, you know, really become better at home and, and therefore they can be better at work and, you know, a little, little pitch for working spaces, but we do, we try to do our work in the office to create a space where everybody really wants to come to the office and do their best work. And I, I think that that affects you at home as well, because you, you can feel good about the work that you've done and you come back to the end of the day. But, but really, I'm just very thankful that you came on. I, I know this is going to really affect and bless uh, a lot of people out there. So thank you so much for, for coming on today. Well, Tim, you know, thank you to you. And I think for any of those listeners, what, what, what I found, I love, you know, working or speaking with companies that feel the same way. I mean, you guys kicked off your leadership retreat with me talking about winning at home and work. That's right. I love that. I mean, when a company and I'm like, wait, well, hey, uh, yes, I'll love to speak for your company. Where am I in the agenda? Uh, you're kicking us off. It's like, whoa, <laughs> wow, I love that. And, and that gets to happen, you know, from time to time. And I love those companies that say, you know what, this is so important to us. Not only are we going to spend money on on the speaker and not only going to make time, but we're actually going to put it first. We're not going to lead with KPIs. We're not leading with the profit. We're not leading with, hey, go sell more, go do more. We're going to say, we want you to be more. Right. So it, I love that. So thanks for so letting much. me be a part of it. I love what you're doing. And I'm, I'm grateful for our connection. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thanks.